0: Mrs. Bathurst by Rudyard Kipling. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mrs. Bathurst by Rudyard Kipling. From Leyden's. act three scene two gal had it been your prince instead of a groom caught in this noose there's not an astrologer of the city prince sacked sacked we were a city yesterday gal so be it but i was not governor not an astrologer but would have sworn he'd foreseen it at the last anniversary of venus when Vulcan caught her with Mars in the house of stinking Capricorn, but since tis jack of the straw that hangs, the forgetful stars had it not on their tablets. Prince, another life! Were there any left to die? How did the poor fool come by it? Go, simplicity thus. She that damned him to death knew not that she did it, or would have died as she had done it, for she loved him. He that hangs him does so in obedience to the duke, and asks no more than where is the robe. The Duke, very exactly, he hath told us, works God's will, in which holy employ he is not to be questioned. We have then left upon this finger only Jack, whose soul now plucks the left sleeve of destiny in hell, to overtake why she clipped him up like a fly on a sunny wool. Woof! So! Prince, your cloak. Ferdinand, I'll sleep now. Ferdinand, sleep then. He, too, loved his life? Gow, he was born of woman, but at the end threw life from him, like your prince, for a little sleep. Have I any look of a king, said he, clanking his chain, to be so baited on all sides by fortune that I must e'en die now to live with myself one day longer? I left him, railing at fortune, and woman's love ferdinand ah woman's love aside who knows not fortune glutted on easy thrones stealing from feasts as rare as privily in the hedgerows for a clown with that same cruel lustful hand and eye those nails and wedges that one hammer and lead and the very gibb of long-stored lightnings loosed yesterday gainst some king. Mrs. Barthurst The day that I chose to visit HMS Peridot in Simons Bay was the day that the Admiral had chosen to send her up the coast. She was just steaming out to sea as my train came in, and since the rest of the fleet were either coaling or busy at the rifle ranges a thousand feet up the hill, I found myself stranded lunchless on the seafront with no hope of return to Cape Town before five p m At this crisis, I had the luck to come across my friend Inspector Hooper, Cape Government Railways, in command of an engine and a brake van chalked for repair. If you get something to eat, he said. I run you down to Glengariff sliding till the goods comes along. It's cooler there than here you see. I got food and drink from the Greeks who sell all things at a price, and the engine trotted us a couple of miles up the line to a bay of drifted sand and a plank platform half buried in sand, not a hundred yards from the edge of the surf, moulded dunes whiter than any snow rolled far inland up a brown and purple valley of splintered rocks and dry scrub a crowd of malays hauled at a net beside two blue and green boats on the beach a picnic party danced and shouted barefoot where a tiny river trickled across the flat and a circle of dry hills whose feet were set in sands of silver locked us in against a seven-coloured sea at either horn of the bay the railway line cut just above high-water mark, ran round a shoulder of piled rocks, and disappeared. "'You see, there's always a breeze here,' said Hooper, opening the door as the engine leapt us in the siding on the sand, and the strong south-easter buffeting under Elsie's peak dusted sand into our ticky-beer. Presently he sat down to a file full of spiked documents. He had returned from a long trip up-country, where he had been reporting on damaged rolling-stock as far away as rhodesia the weight of the bland wind on my eyelids the song of it under the car roof and high up among the rocks the drift of fine grains chasing each other musically ashore the tramp of the surf the voices of the picnickers the rustle of hooper's file, and the presence of the assured sun "'joined with the beer to cast me into magical slumber. "'The hills of False Bay were just dissolving into those of Fairyland "'when I heard footsteps on the sand outside and the clink of our couplings. "'Stop that!' snapped Hooper, without raising his head from his work. "'It is those dirty little Mallet boys, you see. "'They're always playing with the trucks. "'Don't be hard on them.' The railway's a general refuge in Africa, I replied. It's up-country, at any rate. That reminds me, he felt in his waistcoat pocket, I've got a curiosity for you from wankies, beyond Bulawayo. It's more of a souvenir, perhaps, than... The old hotels inhabited, cried a voice. White men from the language, marines to the front. Come on, Pritch, here's your Belmont. Why? the last word dragged like a rope as mr pycroft ran round to the open door and stood looking up into my face behind him an enormous sergeant of marines trailed a stalk of dried seaweed and dusted the sand nervously from his fingers what are you doing here i asked i thought the hierophant was down the coast we came in last Tuesday from Tristan Cunha for overhaul, and we shall be in dockyard hands for two months with boiler seatings. Come and sit down, Hooper put away the file. This is Mr Hooper of the railway, I exclaimed, as Pycroft turned to haul up the black moustached sergeant. This is Sergeant Pritchard of the Agoric, an old chipmate, said he. We were strolling on the beach. The monster blushed and nodded. "'He filled up one side of the van when he sat down. "'This is my friend, Mr. Pycroft,' I added to Hooper, "'already busy with the extra beer "'which my prophetic soul had brought from the Greeks. "'Moi aussi,' quoth Pycroft, "'and drew out beneath his coat a labelled court bottle. "'Why, it's Bass!' cried Hooper. "'It was Pritchard,' said Pycroft. "'They can't resist him.' "'That's not so.' "'said Pritchard mildly. "'Not for baiting, perhaps, "'but the look in the eye came to the same thing. "'Where was it?' I demanded. "'Just on beyond here at Calk Bay. "'She was slapping a rug in a back veranda. "'Pritch hadn't more than brought his batteries to bear "'before she stopped indoors and sent it flying over the wall.' "'Pycroft patted the warm bottle. It was all a mistake,' said Pritchard. "'I shouldn't wonder if she mistook me for McLean.' were bad of a size i had heard householders of mwitzenberg's and james's and kalk bay complain of the difficulty of keeping beer or good servants at the seaside and i began to see the reason none the less it was excellent bass, and i too drank to the health of that large-minded maid it's the uniform that fetches em and they fetch it said Pycroft my simple navy blue is respectable but not fascinating now pritch in his number one rig is always poor mary on the terrace ex officio as you might say she took me from a claim i tell you pritchard insisted why why to listen to him you wouldn't think that only yesterday pritch said by Croft, be warned in time If we begin telling what we know about each other, we'll be turned out of the pub, not to mention aggravated desertion on several occasions. Never anything more than absence without leaf. I defy you to prove it, said the sergeant hotly. And if it comes to that, how about Vancouver in 87? How about it? Who pulled bow in the gig going ashore? Who told boy Niven? Surely you were court-martialed for that, I said. The story of boy Niven, who lured seven or eight able-bodied seamen and marines into the woods of British Columbia, used to be a legend of the fleet. Yeah, we were court-martialed to write, said Pritchard. But we should have been tried for murder, (laughs) if boy Nevin hadn't been unusually tough. He told us he had an uncle who'd give us land to farm. He said he was born at the back of Vancouver Island, and all the time the beggar was a balmy Barnarder orphan. But we believed him, said Bycroft. I did. You did. Patterson did. And who was the marine that married the coconut woman afterwards? Him with the mouth. Oh, Jones, Spitkid Jones. I haven't thought of him in years, said Pritchard. Yes, Spitkid believed it, and George Anstey and Moon. Oh, we were very young and very curious. But loving and trustful to a degree, said Pycroft remember when he told us to walk in single file for fear of bears remember pie when he hopped about in that bog full of ferns and sniffed and said he could smell the smoke of his uncle's farm? and all the time it was a dirty little outlying uninhabited island we walked round in it all day and come back to our boat lying on the beach a whole day Boy Niven kept us walking in circles, looking for his uncle's farm. He said his uncle was compelled by the law of the land to give us a farm. Don't go up, Pritch, we believe, said Pycroft. He'd been reading books. He only did it to get a run ashore and have himself talked of. A day and a night, eight of us, following Boy Niven round an uninhabited island in the Vancouver archipelago. Then the picket gumperers and a nice pack of idiots we looked. What did you get for it? Hooper asked, heavy thunder with continuous lightning for two hours, thereafter, sleet squalls, the confused sea and cold and friendly weather till conclusion accrues, said Bycroft. It was only what we expected, but what we felt, and I assure you, Mr. Hooper even a sailor-man has a heart to break, was being told that we able seamen and promising marines had misled Boy Niven. Yes, we poor, back to the landers, were supposed to have misled him. He rounded on us, of course, and got off easy. Set for what we gave him in the steering-flat when we came out of cells. Heard anything of him lately, Pie? Signal bosun in the channel fleet, I believe, Mr. L. L. Niven is. And Anstey died of fever in Benin, Pritchard mused. What come to Moon? Spit kid, we know about. Moon, Moon. Now, where did I last? Oh, yes. When I was in the Palladium, I met Quigley at Bunkrana station. He told me Moon had run when the Astral Sloop was cruising along the south seas three years back he always showed signs of being a more monastic beggar yeah he slipped off quietly and they hadn't time to chase him round the islands even if the navigating officer had been equal to the job wasn't he said hooper not so according to quigley the astral spent half her commission rumping up the beach like a she-turtle and the other half hatching turtle's eggs on the top of numerous reefs when she was docked at sydney her copper looked like aunt Maria's washing on the line and her midship frames was sprung the commander swore the dockyard had done it all in the poor thing on to the slips they do do strange things it sea, mr hooper ah uh, i'm not a taxpayer said hooper and opened a fresh bottle the sergeant seemed to be the one who had a difficulty in dropping subjects "'How it all comes back, don't it?' he said. "'Why, Mo must have had sixteen years' service before he ran. "'Take some all-ages look at—' "'Well, you know,' said Pycroft. "'Who?' I asked. "'A service man within eighteen months of his pension "'is the party you're thinking of,' said Pritchard. "'A Warren Oost name begins with a B, in it. "'But, in a way of putting it, "'we can't say that he actually—' Did desert? Pycroft suggested. Oh, no, said Pritchard. It was only permanent absence up-country without leaf, that was all. Up-country, said Hooper. Did they circulate his description? What for? said Pritchard, most impolitely. Because deserters are like columns in the war. They don't move away from the lines, you see. I've known a chap caught at Salisbury that way, trying to get to Nyasa, they tell me, but of course I don't know, that they don't ask questions on the Nyasa Lake flotilla up there. I've heard of and O quartermaster in full command of an armed launch there. Do you think Click had gone up that way? Pritchard asked. There's no saying. He was sent up to blonfontaine to take over some Navy ammunition left in the fort. We know he took it over and saw it into the trugs. Then there was no more Click. Then or thereafter four months ago it transpired and thus the casus belli stands at present said Bycroft. what were his marks said hooper again does the railway get a reward for returning them then said pritchard if i did do you suppose i'd talk about it hooper retorted angrily you seem so very interested said pritchard with equal crispness why was he called Click, I asked, to tide over an uneasy little break in the conversation. The two men were staring at each other very fixedly. Because of an ammunition hoist carrying away, said Pycroft, and he carried away four of his teeth on the lower port side. Wasn't it, Pritch? The substitutes which he brought weren't screwed home in a manner of saying. When he took fast, they used to lift a little on the bed plate. Hence Click. "'They called him a superior man, "'which is what we call a long black-haired, genteelly speaking, half bred beggar on the lower deck.' Four false teeth on the low left jaw,' said Hooper, "'his hand in his waistcoat pocket. "'What tattoo marks?' "'Look here,' began Pritchard, half-rising. "'I am sure we are very grateful to you as a gentleman for your hospitality, "'but perhaps we may have made an error in—' "'I looked at Pycroft for aid. "'Hooper was crimsoning rapidly.' If the fat marine now occupying the forecastle will kindly bring his status quo to an anchor yet once more, we may be able to talk like gentlemen, not to say friends, said Pycroft. He regards you, Mr Hooper, as an emissary of the law. I only wish to observe that when a gentleman exhibits such a peculiar, or oh, I should rather say such a blooming curiosity in identification marks as our friend here. Mr. Pritchard, I interposed, I'll take all the responsibility for Mr. Hooper. And you'll apologise all round, said Pycroft. You're a rude little man, Pritch. But how was I? He began wavering. I don't know, and I don't care. Apologise. The giant looked round, bewildered, "'and took our little hands into his vast grip, one by one. "'I was wrong,' he said meekly as a sheep. "'My suspicions was unfounded, Mr. Hooper. "'I apologize. "'You did quite right to look out for your own end of the line,' said Hooper. "'I'd have done the same with a gentleman I didn't know, you see. "'If you don't mind, I'd like to hear a little more of you, Mr. Vickery. "'It's safe with me, you see.' "'Why did Vickery run?' I began.' But Pycroft's smile made me turn my question to who was she? She kept a little hotel at Haraki, near Auckland, said Pycroft. By God! roared Pritchard, slapping his hand on his legs. Not Mrs. Bathurst! Pycroft nodded slowly, and the sergeant called all the powers of darkness. Witness his bewilderment. So far as I could get at it, Mrs. B was the lady in question. But Click was married, cried Pritchard. Anne had a fifteen year old daughter. He's shown me her photograph, setting that aside, so to say. Have you ever found these little things make much difference? Mm, because I haven't good lord alive and watching mrs barthurst then with another roar you can say what you please pie but you don't make me believe it was any of her fault she wasn't that if i was going to say what i please i begin by calling you a silly ox and work up to the higher pressures at leisure I'm trying to say solely what transpired. Moreover, for once, you're right. It wasn't her fault. You couldn't have made me believe it if it had been, was the answer. Such faith in a sergeant of marines interested me greatly. Never mind about that, I cried. Tell me what she was like. She was a widow said pyecraft left so very young and never respliced she kept a little hotel for warrants and non-coms close to auckland and she always wore black silk and a neck you ask what she was like pritchard broke in let me give you an instant i was at auckland first in ninety-seven at the end of the Mariquin's commission and as i had been promoted i went up with the others she used to look after us all, and she never lost by it. Not a penny. Pay me now, she'd say, or settle later. I know you won't let me supper. Send the money from home, if you like. Why, gentlemen all, I tell you, I've seen that lady take her own gold watch and chain off her neck in the bar, and pass it to a boatswain who'd come ashore without his ticker, and had to catch the last boat. Don't know your name, she said, but when you have done with it, you'll find plenty that know me on the front send it back by one of them, and it was worth thirty pounds if it was worth half a crown. The little gold watch pie, with the blue monogram at the back, but as I was saying, in those days she kept a beer that agreed with me. Slits, it was called. One way and another, I must have punished a good few bottles of it while we was in the bay, coming ashore every night or so, chapping across the bar like once when we were alone. Mrs. B., I said, when next I call, I want you to remember that this is my particular, just as your, are my particular. She'd let you go that far. Just as you're my particular, I said. Oh, thank you, Sergeant Pritchard, she says. And put her hand up to the curl behind her ear. Remember that way she had pie? i think so said the sailor yes thank you sergeant pritchard she says the least i can do is to mark it for you in case you change your mind there is no great demand for it in the fleet she says but to make sure i'll put it at the back of the shelf." and she snipped off a piece of her air ribbon with that old dolphin cigar cutter on the bar remember it pie and she tied a bow round what was left just four bottles that was ninety-seven no ninety-six In 98, I was in the Resilient, China Station, full commission. In 91, mark you, I was in the Carthusian, back in Orton Baker. Of course, I went up to Mrs B's with the rest of us to see how things were going. They were the same as ever. Remember the big tree on the pavement by the sidebar, pie? I never said anything in special. There was too many of us talking to her, but she saw me at once that wasn't difficult i ventured ah but wait i was coming up to the bar when ada she says to her niece get me sergeant pritchard's particular and gentlemen all i tell you before i could shake hands with the lady there were those four bottles of slits with her air ribbon in a bow round each of their necks set down in front of me and as she drew the cork she looked at me under her eyebrows in that blindish way she had a look in and sergeant Pritchard, she says i do hope you haven't changed your mind about your particulars that is the kind of woman she was after five years i don't see her yet somehow said hooper but with sympathy she she never scrupled to feed a A lame duck all all set up, foot on a scorpion at any time of her life, Pritchard added valiantly. That do not help me either. My mother's like that, for one. The giant heaved inside his uniform and rolled his eyes at the car roof. Said Pycroft suddenly, How many women have you been intimate with all over the world, Pritch? Pritchard blushed plum colour to the short hairs of his seventeen-inch neck. Hundreds said Pycroft, so have I. How many of 'em can you remember in your own mind, setting aside the first and perhaps the last? And one more. Few, wonderful few, now I tax myself, said Sergeant Pritchard, relievedly. And how many times might you have been at Auckland? One, two, he began. Well, I can't make it more than three times in ten years, but I can remember every time that I ever saw Mrs. B. So can I. And I've only been to Auckland twice how she stood and what she was saying and what she looked like. That's the secret. Didn't beauty, so to speak, nor good talk, necessarily. It's just it. Some women will stay in a man's memory if they once walk down a street, but most of them you can live with a month on end and next commission, you'd be put to it to certify whether they talked in their sleep or not, as one might say. Ah, oh, said Hooper, that's more the idea. I've known just two women of that nature. And it was... "'No fault of theirs?' asked Pritchard. "'None whatever. I know that. "'And if a man gets struck with that kind of woman, Mr. Hooper?' "'Pritchard went on. He goes crazy. "'Or just saves himself,' was the slow answer. "'You've hit it,' said the sergeant. "'You've seen and known something in the course of your life, Mr. Hooper. "'I'm looking at you,' he set down his bottle.' and how often had vickery seen her i asked that's the dark and bloody mystery pycroft answered i'd never come across him till i come out in the hierophant just now and there wasn't any one in the ship who knew much about him you see he was what you call a superior man he spoke to me once or twice about auckland and mrs b on the voyage out i called that to mind subsequently there must have been a good deal between em to my way of thinking mind you i'm only giving you my sum of it all 'Cause all I know is second hand, so to speak, or rather I should say more than second hand. How? said Hooper peremptorily. You must have seen it or heard it. Yeah, said Pycroft. I used to think seeing and hearing was the only regulation aids to ascertaining facts, but as we get older, we get more accommodating. The cylinders work easier, I suppose. Were you in Cape Town last December when Phyllis's circus came? No up country, said Hooper a little nettled at the change of venue. I asked because they had a new turn of a scientific nature called Omen Friends for a ticky. Oh, you mean the cinematograph, the pictures of prize fights and steamers. I've seen them up-country. Biograph or cinematograph was what I was alluding to. London Bridge with the omnibuses, the troop ship going to the war, marines on parade at Portsmouth and the Plymouth Express arriving at Paddington. Seen them all. Cinema," said Hooper impatiently, "'we hierophants came in just before Christmas week "'and leaf was easy. "'I think a man gets fed up with Cape Town "'quicker than anywhere else on the station, "'or well, even Durban's more like nature. "'We was there for Christmas,' Pritchard put in. "'Not being a devotee of Indian peeries, "'as our doctor said to the pusser, "'I can't exactly say.' Phyllis's was good enough after musketry practice at Mozambique. I couldn't get off the first two or three nights on account of what you might call an imbroglio with our torpedo lieutenant in the submerged flat where some pride of the West Country had sugared up a gyroscope. But I remember Vickery went ashore with our carpenter Rigdon. Old Crocus, we called him. As a general rule, Crocus never left his ship unless and until he was oisted out with a winch, but when he went, he would return nodding like a lily gemmed with dew. We smothered him down below that night, but the things he said about Vickery as a pitting playmate for a warrant officer of his cubic capacity before we got him quiet was what I should call pointed. I've been with Crocus in the Redoubtable, said the sergeant. He's a character if there is one. Next night, I went into Cape Town with Dawson and Pratt. But just at the door of the circus, I come across Vickery. Oh, he says, you're the man I'm looking for. Come and sit next me, this way to the shilling places. I went astern at once, protesting because ticky Seeds better suited my so-called finances. Come on, says Vickery, I'm paying. Naturally, I abandoned Pratt and Dawson in anticipation of drinks to match the seats. No, he says, when this was inted, not now, not now as many as you please afterward, but I want you sober for the occasion. I caught his face under a lamp just then, and the appearance of it quite cured me in my thirsts. Don't mistake, didn't frighten me, made me anxious. I can't tell you what it was like, but that was the effect which it had on me. If you want to know, it reminded me of those things in bottles in those herbalistic shops at Plymouth, preserved in spirits of wine, white and crumply things, previous to birth, as you might say. You have a bestial mind, Pye, said the sergeant, relighting his pipe. Perhaps. we were in the front row, and omen friends come on early. Vickery touched me on the knee when the number went up. If you see anything that strikes you, he says, drop me a hint. Then he went on clicking. We saw London Bridge, and so forth, and so on, and it was most interesting. I'd never seen it before. You were a little dynamo like a buzzing. But the pictures were the real thing, alive and moving. I've seen them, said Hooper. Of course, they are taken from the very thing itself, you see. Then the Western Mail came into Paddington on the big magic lantern sheet. First we saw the platform empty and the porter standing by. Then the engine come in, head on, and the woman in the front row jumped. She headed so straight. Then the doors opened and the passengers come out and the porters got the luggage, just like life. Only... Only when anyone came down too far to orders that was watching, they walked right out of the picture, so to speak. I was highly interested, I can tell you. So were all of us. I watched an old man with a rug who dropped a book and was trying to pick it up. When quite slowly, from behind two porters carrying a little reticule and looking from side to side, comes out Mrs. Bathurst. There was no mistaking the walk in a hundred thousand. She come forward, right forward. She looked out straight at us with that blindish look which Pritch alluded to. She walked on and on till she melted out of the picture like like a shadow jumping over a candle. And as she went, I heard Dawson in the ticky seats behind sing out, Christ, there's Mrs. B. Hooper swallowed his spittle and leaned forward intently. Vickery touched me on the knee again. He was clicking his four false teeth with his jaw down like an enteric at the last kick. Are you sure? says he. Sure, I says. Didn't we a Dawson give tongue? Why, it's the woman herself. I was sure before, he says, but I brought you to make sure. Will you come again with me tomorrow? Well, is I says. It's like meeting old friends. Yes, he says, opening his watch very like. It'll be four and twenty hours less four minutes before I see her again. Come and have a drink, he says. It may amuse you, but it's no sort of earthly use to me. He went out. Uh, "'shaking his head and stumbling over people's feet "'as if he we were drunk already. "'I anticipated a swift drink and a speedy return "'because I wanted to see the performing elephants. "'Instead of which, Bickery began to navigate the town at the rate of knots, "'looking in at a bar every three minutes "'approximate Greenwich time. "'I'm not a drinking man, though there are those present. "'He cocked his unforgettable eye at me. "'You may have seen me more or less imbued "'with the flagrant spirit. None the less when I drink,' I like to do it at anchor, and not at an average speed of 18 knots on the measured mile. There's a tank, as you might say, at the back of that big hotel up the hill. What do they call it? The Maltino Reservoir, I suggested. And Hooper nodded. That was his limit adrift. We walked there, and we come down through the gardens. There was a south easter blowing, and we finished up by the docks. Then we bore up the road to Salt River, and wherever there was a pub, Vickery put in sweating. He didn't look at what he drunk, he didn't look at the change. He walked, and he drunk, and he perspired in rivers. I understood why old Crocus had come back in the condition he did, because Pickery and I had two and a half hours of this gypsy manoeuvre, and when we got back to the station there wasn't a dry atom on or in me. Did he say anything? Pritchard asked. Well, the sum total of his conversation from 7.45pm till 11.15pm was, Let's have another thus the morning and the evening were the first day as scripture says to abbreviate a lengthy narrative i went into cape town for five consecutive nights with master and in that time i must have logged about fifty knots over the ground and taken in two gallon of all the worst spirits south of the equator the evolution never varied two shilling seats for us two five minutes of the pictures and perhaps forty-five seconds of mrs b walking down towards us with that blindish look in her eyes and the reticule in her hand then out walk and drink till train-time what did you think said hooper his hand fingering his waistcoat pocket several things said Pycroft. to tell you the truth i aren't quite done thinking about it yet mad the man was a dumb lunatic must have been for months years perhaps I know something of maniacs, as every man in the service must. I've been shipmates with a mad skipper and a lunatic number one, but never both together, I thank heaven. I could give you the names of three captains now, who ought to be in an asylum, but you don't find me interfering with the mentally afflicted till they begin to lay about em with rammers and winch-handles. Only once I crept up a little into the wind toward Master Vickery. I wonder what she's doing in England, I says, Don't it seem to you she's looking for somebody? That was in the gardens again, with the south-easter blowing as we were making our desperate round. She's looking for me, he says, stopping dead under a lamp and clicking. When he wasn't drinking, in which case all his teeth clicked on the glass, he was clicking his four false teeth like a Marconi ticker. Yes, looking for me, he said and he went on very softly and as you might say affectionately but he went on in future mr pycroft i should take it kindly of you if you would confine your remarks to the drink set before you otherwise he says with the best will in the world towards you i may find myself guilty of murder do you understand he says perfectly i says But would it at all soothe you to know that in such a case the chances of your being killed are precisely equivalent to the chances of me being outed? Why, no, he says. I'm almost afraid that'd be a temptation. Then I said, We was right under the lamp by the arch at the end of the gardens where the trams come round. Assuming murder was done, or attempted murder, I put it to you that you'd still be left so badly crippled, as one might say, that your subsequent capture by the police i mean to whom you would have to explain will be largely inevitable that's better he says passing his hands over his forehead that's much better because he says do you know as i am now Pye, i'm not so sure if i could explain anything much those were the only particular words i had with him in our walks as i remember what walks said he but oh my soul what walks they were chronic said pye gravely but i didn't anticipate any danger till the circus left then i anticipated that being deprived of his stimulant he might react on me so to say with a hatchet consequently after the final performance and the ensuing wet walk i kept myself aloof from my superior officer on board in the execution of his duty as you might put him consequently i was interested when the sentry informs me while i was passing on my lawful occasions that click had asked to see the captain as a general rule warrant officers don't dissipate much of the owner's time but click put in an hour and more behind that door my duties kept me within eyeshot of it vickery came out first and he actually nodded at me and smiled this knocked me out of the boat because having seen his face for five consecutive nights I didn't anticipate any change there, more than a condenser in hell, so to speak. The owner emerged later. His face didn't read off at all, so I fell back on his cox, who'd been eight years with him, and knew him better than boat signals. Lampson, that was the cox's name, crossed his bows once or twice at low speeds and dropped down to me, visibly concerned. He's shit is court martial foe says lamson Someone's going to be young i've never seen that look but once before when they chuck the gun sights overboard in the fantastic throwing gun sights overboard mr hooper is the equivalent for mutiny in these degenerate days it's done to attract the notice of the authorities and the western morning news generally by a stoker naturally a word went round the lower deck and we had a private overall of our little consciences but barring a shirt which a second class stoker said had walked into his bag from the marines flat by itself nothing vital transpired the owner went about flying the signal for attend public execution so to say but there was no corpse at the yard arm He lunched on the beach and he returned with his regulation arbour routine face about three PM. Thus Lampson lost prestige for raising false alarms. The only person who might have connected the epicycloidal gears correctly was one Pycroft when he was told that Mr. Vickery would go up-country that same evening to take over certain naval ammunition left after the war in Blomfontein Fort. No details was ordered to accompany Master Vickery. He was told off first-person singular as a unit by himself. The Marine whistled penetratingly. "'That's what I thought,' said Pycroft. "'I went ashore with him in the cutter, "'and he asked me to walk through the station. "'He was clicking audibly, but otherwise seemed happy-ish. "'You might like to know,' he says, "'stopping just outside the Admiral's front gate, "'that Phyllis's Circus will be performing at Worcester tomorrow night, "'so I shall see her yet once again. he have been very patient with me,' he says. "'Look here, Vickery,' I said, "'this thing's come to be just as much as I can stand. "'Consume your own smoke. "'I don't want to know any more.' "'You,' he said. "'What have you got to complain of? "'You've only had to watch. "'I'm it,' he says. "'But that's neither in nor there,' he says. "'I've one thing to say before shaking hands. "'Remember,' he says. "'We were just by the Admiral's garden gate then. "'Remember that I'm not a murderer, "'because my lawful wife died in childbed six weeks after I come out. "'That much at least I am clear of,' he says. "'Then what have you done that signifies?' "'I said. "'What is the rest of it?' "'The rest,' he says, is silence.' and he shook hands and went clicking into Simon's Town Station. Did he stop to see Mrs Barthurst at Worcester, I asked. It's not known. He reported at plon saw the ammunition into the trucks, then he disappeared, went out, deserted if you care to put it so, within eighteen months of his pension. And if what he said about his wife was true, he was a free man, as he then stood. How do you read it off? Poor devil, said Hooper, to see her that way every night. "'I wonder what it was. "'I've made my head ache in that direction many a long night. "'But I swear Mrs. B had no hand in it,' said the sergeant unshaken. "'No. "'Whatever the wrong or deceit was, he did it, I am sure of that. "'I would to look at his face for five consecutive nights. "'I'm not so fond of navigating about Cape Town "'with the South-Easter blowing these days. "'I can hear those teeth click, so to say. "'Ah, those teeth!' said hooper and his hand went to his waistcoat pocket once more permanent things false teeth are you read about him in all the murder trials what do you suppose the captain knew or did i asked i never turned my searchlight that way pyecraft answered unblushingly we all reflected together and drummed on empty beer-bottles as the picnic party sunburned wet and sandy, passed our door singing The Honeysuckle and the Bee. "'Pretty girl, under that cap, ye," yeah? said Pycroft. "'They never circulated his description,' said Pritchard. "'I was asking you before these gentlemen came,' said Hooper to me, whether you wankies on the way to the Zambezi, beyond Bulawayo?' Would he pass there, trying to get to that lake? What's his name? said Pritchard. Hooper shook his head and went on. There's a curious bit of line there, you see. It runs through solid teak forest, a sort of mahogany, really. Seventy-two miles without a curve. I've had a train derailed there twenty-three times in forty miles. I was up there a month ago, relieving a sick inspector, you see. He told me to look out for a couple of tramps in the teak. Two? Bycroft said. I don't envy that other man if we got... "'Heaps of tramps up there since the war. "'The inspector told me I'd find em at Mabindway, "'waiting to go north. "'He'd given up some grub and quinine, you see. "'I went up on a construction train. "'I looked out for him. "'I saw them miles ahead along the straight, "'waiting in the teak. "'One of them was standing up by the dead end of the siding, "'and the other was squatting down, "'looking up at em, you see.' "'What did you do for him?' said Pritchard. "'There wasn't much I could do, except bury them. "'There'd been a bit of a thunderstorm in the teak, you see, "'and they were both stone-dead and as black as charcoal. "'That's what they really were, you see, charcoal. "'They fell to bits when we tried to shift them. "'The man who was standing up had the false teeth. "'I saw him shining against the black. "'Fell to bits, he did, too, "'like his mate squatting down and watching him, "'both of them all wet in the rain. "'Both burnt charcoal, you see.' And that's what made me ask about the marks just how The false toother was tattooed on the arms and chest, a crown and foul anchor with MV above. I've seen that, said Pycroft quickly. It was so. But if he was all charcoal-like, said Pritchard, shuddering. You know how writing shows up white on a burned letter? Well, it was like that, you see. We buried him in the teak, and I kept, but he was a friend of you two gentlemen, I see. Mr. Hooper brought his hand away from his waistcoat pocket, empty. Pritchard covered his face with his hand for a moment like a child, shutting out an ugliness, and to think of her at Uraki, he murmured, with her air ribbon on my beer. Ada, she said to her niece, oh my God! On a summer afternoon, when the honeysuckle blooms, and all nature seems at rest, underneath the bower Mind the perfume of the flower sat a maiden with the one she loves the best sang the picnic party waiting for their train at glengarry well i don't know how you feel about it said Pycroft, but having seen his face for five consecutive nights on end i'm inclined to finish what's left of the beer and thank god he's dead End of Mrs. Bathurst by Rudyard Kipling